You want it. You need it. It's what everyone's talking about. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Now, here's Kevin. All right, I am here. Aaron is here. And Chris Cooley is in studio today. Tommy will be back tomorrow. This show is presented by Window Nation. If you're in the market for Windows, call 866-90-NATION or go to windownation.com and tell them we told you to call. Good morning to you. Good morning. How you doing? Great. You look good. I feel good. We're going to play some golf today after the after we It's a miracle that we're going to get together and play golf. Uh, it, it's it is. so good that we didn't play golf yesterday because I would feel obligated to tell you about my swing on this show. <laughs> I'm glad we didn't. We were going to play yesterday, but it was, you know, very wet from the weekend rain and it was cold and windy. Today will be a much better day. I'm sure I'm going to hear about your swing anyway. I know this, you've been playing a lot and playing well. I haven't been playing a lot. I thought you have been, been playing, playing well. You've been playing well. Well, what's not how how often have you been playing? Once a week. That's it? Oh, I thought you were playing more than that. I, I wish I was playing more. I think you're playing a little bit more than that. I'm not playing more. What did you shoot the other day at Congressional? I shot a 78. That's pretty good. Member tees or one back? I, mean, I can, think we played member tees. Yeah. You pro- probably did. 70. No, 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 no. We played one back. You did? Because the second hole is a par three, and it was 210 yards or 208 yards. So. That could still be the member tees, that, that uphill par three. That could, you played the blue course. Yeah. Um, but 78 at Congressional. Wow, you're playing well. You're playing well. You're giving me a lot of strokes Yeah, but your, your club has fast greens. I have not played well. Um, I haven't played that much, and when I have played, I've played poorly recently. So, Are you um, going to throw a club today? You always throw clubs. I never throw a club. I never throw a club. What I do is I go around and pick up the clubs that you leave on the green. Well, that, I you, need you do people that all to the do time. things like that. So. Um, but uh, anyway, let's let's get to the show because I, I have a lot to get to um, today, and a lot of it will be, you know, the draft recap, the Redskins draft recap. But before we get to that, last night was the NBA draft lottery, and the Wizards, the Wizards basically got the next to worst pick they could have gotten. Tenth was the worst they could have gotten last night. Sixth would have been the spot based on their record and the odds that they had going in. They got the ninth overall pick in a draft that appears to be, to most, very top-heavy, meaning the top three picks. Zion Williamson, John Morant, and R.J. Barrett. Zion Williamson being the sweepstakes winner last night for the New Orleans Pelicans. The Wizards had better chances of getting the first pick than they did the ninth pick. Yeah, there was I, like three point five percent chance that they fell to nine. It's, it's unbelievable. It's so Wizards and it's so DC sports because they had a chance last night, and it really was like one of those opportunities that don't come in an actual game, Cooley, to change completely the fortune of your franchise. You can do that in the NBA with one player, and this guy was the player. He's one of 10 to 15 players over the last 50 years that have been considered historic franchise-altering players. And they had a chance last night. Not to mention he is an absolute perfect fit for what the Wizards have and need. Well, well they, I mean, they need for, everything. He is for everybody, but yeah, they need everything. With, with Beal and Wall, he is a perfect fit. I think last night, too, was a blow, Aaron, I don't know if you feel this way, to the NBA conspiracy theorists. You know, who... Well, you, you, don't, you don't think they wanted, the NBA wanted New Orleans? <laughs> the, 
when we got down to the final four and then they took a, a commercial break and the it was the Lakers that the Lakers were in the final four the Knicks were the odds on favorite for this thing along with three three other teams at 14% or whatever it was the Lakers were not favored to end up in the top, final four but when you had the Lakers the Knicks the Grizzlies and the Pelicans sitting there but because the Lakers and the Knicks were there um it really i think everybody went nuts on certainly on social media people were going nuts that the fix is in that either the Lakers or the Knicks or it's going to go in order 1 2 Lakers Knicks so that they get the two players Morant and well Morant and RJ Barrett I guess are are sort of you know equal in terms of the odds of of uh, either one of them being the second pick but anyway I was so rooting for Memphis or New Orleans to get the number one pick. And they did. They went 1-2. New Orleans won. Memphis 2. Now, I guess a real conspiracy theorist might say, well, you can't pull off a conspiracy with something so obvious. We'll save it for officiating in games. You know, our conspiracy theories. But... I think uh, most people thought it would be the Lakers or the Knicks at that point, and they get you know they don't get Morant or Zion. Did you have any money on this thing? Nah, nah, no money on. You that. You couldn't get good odds. I, the Knicks, I, so many people were betting on the Knicks winning it that it was actually like only plus three hundred. Seriously? Yeah. <laughs> well, then I would have never made that exactly. Bet. <laughs> that would have been a stupid bet, right? Unless, of course, you believe. Right. And conspiracy theories, but uh, it didn't prove out last night. The um, The fallout from last night is the Pelican situation with Anthony Davis and everybody now believing that Anthony Davis, who has demanded a trade, won't get traded now. Well, I, that doesn't make any sense to me at all. Anthony Davis himself was a number one pick overall. He played on a national championship team at Kentucky. He's been in the NBA and been one of the better players. Why would Zion Williamson coming to New Orleans just automatically make him want to stay in New Orleans? I don't think that that'll – I think he's still going to want to trade. I, I still think he does get a trade, especially, you know, even though New York didn't get the topic, they still got the third pick. I still think that ends up getting packaged for Anthony Davis. Yeah, so there was that. Did you um, – What is Anthony Davis worth in a trade? Like if you were to build a young team around Zion Williamson and say put it a year out, what do you get for Anthony Davis? Or I guess you could do it per current player. You, you get a lot for Anthony Davis. I think you get the three pick. I think you get next year's first plus a young player or plus another. So so you could go with the three pick this year. Yeah, so, so you could have yes. one and three. Yes. So, yeah. So if you if you traded him to the Knicks, you'd get number three this year. You get a first next year and probably a player or two. So, yeah, you could – I mean, theoretically, you could – New Orleans could go Zion at one and Zion's teammate, R.G. Barrett, R.J. Barrett at three if if uh, Davis went to the Knicks. I still think the Anthony Davis trade stuff will be a huge feature of this offseason uh, in the NBA. Uh, meantime, they actually had a game last night. It was the Western Conference Finals game one. Did sort you, of. Did you – yeah. It was sort of a game. Have you been watching any of the NBA yeah, players? Yeah, actually I have really? been watching. I watched some of the Portland series w- with Denver. I watched – Why? Because you're were you a Denver I fan? was in Disney World and oh. it was on and oh, I needed okay. something to watch. <laughs> but I liked watching Denver play. Yeah. Denver should have won that series. Yeah, they didn't though. I think Denver would have been a better matchup for Golden State. I liked Portland last night. Um, plus the seven and a half. Uh, I didn't play it actually, but I liked it and I said it on the show. Um, the The big thing out of that game last night is Steph Curry went nuts. All right, he went nuts from from behind the three point line. Um, he ended up with thirty six points 
and shot uh, on on threes. Uh, Curry was nine for fifteen. In fact, as a team, the Warriors went seventeen for thirty-three, and that was a big change from the Houston series where they didn't shoot the three well. Curry in particular. But last night, what was interesting is the way Portland decided to guard the pick and roll with Curry, and they decided that Enos Cantor, uh, in particular, or whomever the big would be, would not double or hedge hard off of the pick-and-roll coolie, they kept the big back in the paint. So that meant when Curry came off that pick behind the three-point line, nobody was there. That's yeah, the they, way, never, they never touched him. That's the way they decided to guard it. So Houston pretty much doubled it throughout the series, or at least hedged hard to force him out a little further and give the, the who, whomever was guarding Curry in the moment time to recover. Terry Stotts is the uh, is the coach for the Portland Trailblazers, and he was asked about this after the game. And, uh, had some success, you know, trapping Steph and really getting out on him. Uh, is this a, sustainable for you guys to keep dropping the big so far? Off, Did they? Off? Uh, I can't remember Did they, when he had thirty three in the second half. Were they trapping then? Yes, they were, and he scored thirty three in the second half. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, we'll look at that. <laughs> we'll look at <laughs> That's that. So dismissive. <laughs> The point is, it's pretty hard to guard Curry when he has it going, but they let him get going last night. That was part of the problem. The big problem last night, really more than anything else, is that Portland, who only had four turnovers in Game 7 in Denver on Sunday afternoon, had 21 last night, and most of those were through the first three quarters of the game. And and Lillard and McCollum, who combined for one turnover in a seventh game, had 10 combined last night, and that was the ball game. They didn't they didn't protect the ball. You turn it over 21 times, it led to 31 Warrior points, and it ended up being a blowout. Well, I mean, um, the other thing like is they 22. made three threes between the two of them. Yeah, they didn't shoot like, it well when either. Lillard and McCollum aren't going to shoot, yeah, they, what are you going to do? Yeah, so that series goes one nothing, uh Warriors. Do you buy into the exhaustion theory? Actually, I think sometimes when you play that seventh and deciding game and you win it and it's really emotional. And by the way, the Warriors had a very emotional finish to their series as well. And that came Friday night in Houston. Sometimes you can carry that over with momentum into game one and have a shot. I think that's why I liked them. But were they emotionally drained from the Denver game? Apparently so because of the turnovers. A lot of them were defensive forced. I mean, the, the, the Warriors did a really good job of essentially doubling McCollum early every time he got it. And they did the same with, with Lillard. They were going to make everybody else beat him except those two. And what happened was the turnovers. Like It's one thing to shoot it poorly. Um, McCollum was 7 for 19, and Lillard was 4 for 12. Jesus, Lillard now in the last two games is 7 for 29 from the floor. He did get to the free throw line last night, but he had seven turnovers. These are two really good ball-handling, ball-protecting guards, and they had 10 turnovers combined. I I know you like all of this, but to me the Warriors play different obviously, without Kevin Durant. They play hero ball or iso ball with Kevin Durant way more way than more. they do You're right. move the ball. And the original theory for the Warriors with Kerr and developing that analytic system for the best type of basketball was 350 passes a game. And it wasn't just because they got open looks and open shots. 303, I think, was the number. It was 300 and something. Yeah. It was between three. It had to be over 300. It but was. it didn't. It had to be under 350, something like that. It made defenses have to move and it exhausted players on defense so in turn they weren't as effective offensively 
and it helped them create turnovers and it helped them create shortened possessions and it it's smart it's, and it's what the warriors do when they don't have Kevin Durant now the more you watch Kevin Durant you can't not go iso ball like you have to give him the ball he's so good from everywhere but the the, the last thing for me like it wasn't just that they didn't guard the pick and roll well or they they didn't hedge they didn't ever bang him around like you can't let Steph and Clay walk into shots and they walked into shots all night yeah they did what you said though um was is so true you know one of the things about Golden State over the years is they've been a highly rated defensive team and people have said wow they're really good defensive defensively and Clay Thompson's a really good defender and Draymond Green's a really good defender and Iguodala's a really good defender Curry's not a great defender at all but one of the reasons they've had great defensive results over the years is they have worn teams out with their offense and therefore teams got worn out defensively and therefore were more tired to run good offense. And that's what Houston doesn't do. You know, the pure ISO teams don't make you work. They let you rest on defense. Now, it is, that's a good phone ringer. It's the worst. God, when did you switch? To, I mean, you had to find that ring. Let me hear it again. I, I, it's, want me to call you? I want to hear it again. That's not, yeah, a typic, yeah. that's not a typical ring. Just so you know, as you call me, this year, Golden State, and last year, have given up 112 points defensively. Yeah. Before Kevin Durant, 104-104-99. They're giving them almost 10 points more per game. Why with, isn't your phone Katie. ringing? Do you have the right number? Yes, I've got the right number. I don't know why it's not ringing. Okay. Try it again. I'll make it ring. Uh, I t- I'll turn it on silent. I didn't, though. It's on ring. Okay, whatever. But that's that's interesting that you give up eight to ten points more per game on average per season playing that type of basketball versus move the ball on yeah. offense. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, by the way, 12 players scored for the Warriors last night. 12. Do you know how, how unusual that is that seven players off your bench actually score points? Um, and I know they were blowing them out, and they got guys into the game like uh, Damian Jones got into the game. He never gets into the game, and – um, only one player that played late didn't score, but all of a sudden with Durant out, guys like Quinn Cook have stepped up. I mean, we know that Looney stepped up in Livingston. McKinney's played well. Jerebko last night had a really, really good game off the bench. He was three for five, had nine points. Um, the Warriors... The only active player that didn't score was Jacob Evans. Yes. He's the only player that didn't score. But you look at Livingston, four points. Bell, three points. Damian Jones, three points. Yeah, no, Bogut, I, two points. I, I mean, know, it's not like they scored. It's just weird to look at a box score and see 12 players that have scored out of the 13 basically on your bench, on your on your whole team. Um, but anyway, uh, it was a, it was an impressive win. Warriors are up one nothing Tonight is Eastern Conference Finals, Game 1. I picked Toronto before the playoffs started, Cooley. I'm rooting for Toronto. I'm a huge Kawhi Leonard guy, but I don't think really – um, that they've got a great chance to win this series. I, I I would pick Milwaukee. I'd pick Milwaukee in either five or six. I'll just call it five right now. And I think we're we're about to see Giannis's introduction to the casual sports fan who barely pays attention to the NBA at all, even doesn't pay attention in the regular season, barely pays attention at the beginning of the playoffs. And right now, sometimes they wait till the finals, they start to pay attention. And I think Giannis is about to go off. 
Um, the only way Toronto can win this series is they've got to get other players to contribute, not do what they did in Game 7 against Philadelphia where it was all Leonard. Lowry's got to have a big series. Siakam's got to have a big series. But I like Milwaukee even though I'm rooting for Toronto, but my pick is Milwaukee in five. All right, let's get to the Redskins. You ready? I want to I, I wanna do <laughs> I something. I like what you're going to do because it's a new way to try to entrap me. No. no so I got to battle through it hold again. Hold on for a second. I said to you before we recorded this, I said to you, I want, before we get to each a total recap of the draft, going player by player and getting your thoughts on these players now that you've seen more of them and perhaps you even saw some of them at minicamp over the weekend, I wanted to go through some things about the draft, An exercise. about the decision making, and I was going to do it in true false form. And I said to you, I'll share the questions with you up front. If you don't feel comfortable, we won't do this. And you said, no, have at it. So there's no entrapment because you said, have at it. <laughs> so, and I said, you can say true, false, or I'm not really sure. Or you can say, my hunch is that's true, which I would rather have a true, false, or my hunch is that's false, or my hunch is that's true, than a bunch of I don't know. I just want to preface because this Because I think with you this. do know a lot of these I just answers, want to or have hunches on a lot of these answers. This. Yes. A lot of times when you think about the Washington Redskins, if you think hard about it, you can come up with the right answers. I was not here during the draft. I was not in the draft I know, but you, room. I was not in the building. But you talk to a lot of people, and you have hunches on a lot of these things. Don't talk to too many people. Uh, okay, you have hunches on a lot of these things. I just know everybody, right. so I know. Right, I have opinions. So you can say. So can on, I say like opinion true? Just say my opinion, <laughs> my hunch, hunch true, true or false. All right. All right, you ready? Here we go. It's I'm going to rip through these. Uh, taking Kyler Murray out of the discussion, Kyle Smith in the college scouting department liked but didn't love any other quarterback in the draft. True. Jay Gruden and his offensive coaches liked but didn't love any other quarterback in the draft. True. Kyle Smith in the college scouting department had somewhere in the neighborhood of a late first or second round or lower grade on all of the other quarterbacks in the draft not named Murray. My opinion is yes. I don't know what they had for a Daniel Jones grade. That was that's been floating around is that they loved Daniel Jones, but I'm going to say true because I had a second round grade or worse on every one of the quarterbacks in the draft. All right, let not me name Kyler. Murray. Let me rephrase that just so we can get 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 a get clarification. Taking Murray and Daniel Jones out of the equation. Yes, every true. other quarterback they ha- had somewhere between a late first. Or later, second round, late first to second round, or later grade on every other quarterback. I would draft. say true. Okay, Dwayne Haskins at fifteen was Dan Snyder and/or Bruce Allen's pick more than anyone else's in the organization. My hunch is true. Yeah. Well, you just sort of answered that by saying that there was, you know. Well, I, I think it's been reported. Yeah. Over and over again, and it hasn't been refuted. More specifically uh, about Daniel Jones. The football people, which includes Kyle Smith and his staff, and then the coaching staff, may have been divided or were divided on the highest-rated quarterback after Murray because some liked Jones and some some liked Haskins. True or false? I don't know. I would say false, and I would back that with, 
I think they viewed four or five guys as a, a, pretty much the same kind of guy. Okay, fair enough. Um, next, and, and if it was Jones, if that were the case, it wasn't a half a round higher. It wasn't that kind of love for Daniel Jones. I can't. I just can't see that. At fifteen, if Haskins and Jones were both on the board, they would have taken Dwayne Haskins. True or false? If you want to play this game the way you played it, I've already stated that I believe that Dan made the pick. So, yes, true. I think he would have still taken Haskins. I think that's true, too. Um, By the way, I like Haskins more than I like Jones. Okay. As it as it stands, I would have taken Haskins before Jones if that was the choice at 15. What don't you like about Jones? What didn't you like about Jones? Ceiling is not high enough for me. Okay. Is his floor higher? Yes, but I'm not sure exactly what Haskins' floor is. Haskins, per fit in organization and team and people around him, I would say they're similar in, in terms of floor. Haskins has more upside. I, I, I like Jones. I see him as a guy that's going to come in and operate, if you ask him to operate, on a pretty high level because he's done so much of the NFL stuff. And you see him make anticipation throws on West Coast concepts and timing routes a lot. But you see him miss some things that he shouldn't miss, and you see him force some underneath stuff. So I don't see him as high, high ceiling, but I do see him as he will come in and understand an offense quickly. Okay, you've made it clear just here that you had Haskins rated higher than Jones. Yeah. Um, If Dan had not had influence over the first round in this draft and it had been just Kyle in the scouting department, you know, in, you know, sort of a consensus building exercise with the football people and Jones and Haskins were both on the board at 15 and they were told only one thing by Dan, and that is you've got to take a quarterback at 15 because I think we both said, and I felt this way and you've confirmed it, that they wouldn't have taken a quarterback at 15 had they been following their board but if they were told have to pick a quarterback I don't care who it is would it have been Jones or Haskins I don't know the answer to that question okay uh true or false that said though both of them on the board at 15 would have given your pick a lot of value with the Giants sitting at 17 and anybody else having to trade above New York if they liked any of those guys it would have given your pick a lot more value than it was I don't think they even considered moving out of that pick I actually heard that nobody in this year's draft really mentioned a 2021st. Like throughout the first round, with all the teams trading back, no one was going to give a 2021st. Remember, you and I talked about mm-hmm. that two weeks ago and said that would be really ideal if you could get a 2021st and make that Rosen trade because you'd get a guy that you could see for a year and you'd know if it wasn't your guy, you have two firsts next year to go up and get whoever you want, be it Tua. Or from right. I don't like the kid from Oregon as much, but whoever comes up through the year. Uh, true or false? If Haskins hadn't been picked at fifteen, he wouldn't have been taken in the first round. I think there was a chance that he could have fallen out of the first round, but th- there's no way that I can answer that question because you're saying does does any of the thirty two other teams not take him? But that said, the next quarterback didn't go until what? 38, 40. By the way, I think somebody would have picked him before the end of the first round. I think, and I've heard that the Patriots would not have taken him. Okay, but so I let's, think let's the, play I think that the, game. I think the Chargers could have taken no him. No chance. 
you don't think the Chargers would have taken nope, Haskins? Zero chance. Why do you say that? Because Phillip Rivers is not done in the next three years, and you're not looking for your quarterback's replacement in the first round if he's going to play for more than three seasons. Okay. I don't see Phillip Rivers coming to a close in his career in the next three seasons. Oakland was another team that was in there. Oakland, Oakland was 24. not drafting a first a first round quarterback. John does not play rookie quarterbacks and does not like rookie quarterbacks. He wouldn't have taken him. Someone was going to have to trade back up into the first. Denver was still sitting there at twenty. They ultimately took uh, Drew Locke in the second round. Didn't Denver trade up to get Noah Fan? They at traded back with the Steelers from their pick at ten and ended up with the Steelers pick at twenty, and that's where they took Noah Fan. So Denver would have been the one team you would have really worried about. Taking I think you could. You may, bet he's not going to wear seven. In I Denver. think you may have worried about Tennessee at nineteen. No, they are committed. You think they're committed to Marcus Mariota? Yeah. All right, they're um, going to build an entire offense around him. All right, next true or with, false with Alfred Smith or Arthur Smith as their new o, o coordinator. Some key football people in the organization: Kyle Smith, scouting staff; Jay Gruden, his offensive staff. Preferred Josh Rosen for a second and say a fourth over what they did at 15. True or false? I don't know the answer to that. I, I don't. I'm 50-50 on that. I'm sure someone in the building preferred that pick, but I don't know the percentage of what it was. I, I You know, I, I watched all of that Rosen stuff, and I there was a lot to like about Rosen, but there's a lot to dislike about Rosen. The reason you like that trade and that pick is because it gives gives you security to draft another quarterback next year if it doesn't work out. You're eating no salary. You're giving a second, which doesn't cost you hardly anything for a quarterback that was taken 10th overall. it's It was the safest move. True or false, whether he's ready or not, there will be front office pressure, a.k.a. Dan, all right, to play Haskins right away. No, false. There will be pressure to play Haskins right away just because of what it is. I think when you really look at it for Jay, I think if I were Jay, I'd want to have success with Haskins right now. I'd want everybody to know, look, I can develop this this quarterback and I can build a team around this quarterback and I should be the head coach of the future because of my ability to develop this quarterback. And look at the staff that I have around me. Kevin O'Connell was a quarterback. You have Doug Williams in the building. You have... The, your new quarterback, Tim Rattay was a quarterback. Tim Rattay. You have a lot of quarterback. Alex Smith in the building. Colt, Case, all these guys are going to help develop this quarterback. He's going to have a lot of advantages. Well, you said you said to me right the day after the, the uh, first round that Case and Colt want to play. It's not going to be like they're sitting there, hey, we're here to develop Dwayne Haskins. No, they, they do want to play, and it's a bad spot for both of those guys right now. Because they're not going to be given the benefit of the doubt by the fan base. Not that they necessarily care. But I think we said this like five years ago when Kirk Cousins came in for Robert Griffin. He essentially has to win five of six games or six of seven games. It's got to be a massive heater. So there may not be the unbelievable pressure to play Haskins in the first game. There's going to be a plan of when you want to play him. The the The... Interesting thing about what you're talking about is that if Jay Gruden decides that his path to being here beyond 2019 is to get Haskins in there early and develop Haskins, the probable result in year one is a non-playoff season, more likely than not a losing record season in the first year of a quarterback. 
Whereas with Case Keenum, and that was going to be my last true false question. And I'll, I'll let me let me get it in real quickly. Jay really likes Case Keenum and thinks he can win this year with Case Keenum starting a quarterback. True or false? True. Okay, but so, I don't know if Jay would you. Jay's a confident guy, and Jay believes in what he does. I understand. So I don't know if he if you were to say. 100% true or false, can you win with Haskins? He doesn't know right now. He will know as you get to training camp if he can win some games with Haskins or not. But there will be a plan for when you'd want to play Haskins. And I think everybody understands that is if things aren't going well, it's it's week six. What's safer for Jay or what's better for Jay's long-term coaching prospects in Washington? To develop Haskins and go 5-11, and 11, but he is showing promise of being the quarterback they wanted um, in 2019, or to start case, roll, you know, perfect 7 or 11 on the come-out roll, go 9-7 and seven and make the wild card? Which Haskins is, plays none in the 9-7 and seven year. Say again? Does Haskins play zero? Zero. The- Case Keenum's your starter so all think, year long, think- and, you, and you end up with a wild card, you know, number six seed playoff season. Which is better for Jay? I think the former is better for Jay. I think the former is better for Jay as well, but think about how the 5-11 and 11 season would pan out. Let's just say, you know, hypothetically... Case, You're in Case game. goes one and three, and then he sure, comes in. Sure, for the Case New, goes one and three. For the New England game. Haskins comes in and <laughs> make it one and four. <laughs> Haskins comes comes in, performs well. Mm-hmm. You clearly see that there's talent that needs to be built around him, and maybe you trust that some of the young guys are going to grow into that talent. Defensively, you look much better this year. You don't have the New Orleans game. You don't have the Atlanta game. You certainly don't have a 40-0 to halftime deficit to the New York Giants. You don't have those big losses. You're competitive in everything. You lose a couple tight ones. Maybe you, Then that 5-11 and thing is, is not as bad as the 5-11 and record. But you also need Haskins to come in and have some success. But Jay did have success with Josh Johnson. And I'm not saying that... Josh and Haskins should be comparable, but Jay had success with the quarterback that he had three days to work with. He's able to develop a plan to simplify. I think both results, and remember, again, just emphasize, the 5-11 and Haskins starts 10 to 12 games. It it includes um, the the information that Haskins really looked, you know, especially as we went along, like he was really getting better. I think that would be good for Jay, but I also think that if Haskins never took a snap and Case Keenum was pretty effective and they had a good defense and they went 9-7 and seven and lost a first-round wildcard game, that that wouldn't be a bad thing for Jay either. I think it's, it's debatable on both. I think the other thing that you would need, especially in the 5-11 and 11 scenario, is that Dwayne loves Jay, and we hear that right. consistently. It's not the Mike Shanahan, Robert Griffin situation where you know your franchise quarterback is Dwayne moving forward. And all of a sudden Dwayne's got issues with the coaching staff. So what do you do? That, that would be another thing that would help Jay in my opinion is to have Haskins full on endorsement. And I'm not saying Haskins is going to be sitting at Dan's table Let's on the not. boat. Like he just saw in Portofino on TMZ. What? Oh, they, they, TMZ had a picture of Dan on his new boat in Portofino. With Haskins? No, no, oh, no, okay. no. But I'm not I'm not <laughs> implying that, that that's where Haskins that that's the endorsement, but you remember the 2012 offseason? Uh, I I do. We that would hurt Jay. Yeah, it would hurt in Jay either, a lot. in either way. But uh, you you got to realize that if you were to go 9 and 7 with Case 
and even make the playoffs, it's 100% Dwayne's team at that point after after the season. Yeah. It is 100% Dwayne's team, and having not played him, we better have a dynamic plan and understanding of what Haskins would potentially be going into the next year. Did he get better not playing? Um, I had this guy from the Action Network on the show yesterday. Did you listen to it or not? You didn't. Uh, this guy, I, did, Chris I didn't Raymond. listen to it yesterday. Yeah, he, I was driving, and it it's pulled fine. up the Vinny Serato episode again. I didn't see your new episode. Really? Really. That's weird. Maybe it was my phone. Um, it could have been, but the new episode was up. But anyway, um, this guy basically wrote an article that said um, you – more times, you know, he started off the article by saying, you know, Dave Gettleman talked about the Green Bay model and the Kansas City model. And the truth is that those are really, you know, two of the only examples of a quarterback sitting and then coming in and being great. You know, that more times than not, if a, if a rookie quarterback sits and doesn't play at all year one, it's usually because he's really not good enough. Ultimately, and he had a list of quarterbacks that he went through that just, you know, that sat and didn't get better. And then guys that played right away, and the second year's results were basically the same as the first year's results. Very good. And, and his point was Mahomes, Kansas City blew an opportunity in 2017. They should have played Mahomes. That they would have had, they, they blew part of the window of winning a Super Bowl or, or advancing much further in the postseason. And remember, Alex Smith struggled at times during that season. They ended up ten and six in a wild card game because they went uh, they, they lost went one and six in the middle of the season. They lost six like that. and seven. They, they were and terrible offensively. offensively. Yeah, there is one difference in these scenarios, though. Alex Smith had been the quarterback for Andy Reid yes. for five seasons. Yeah. Brett Favre had been the quarterback in Green Bay for however many right. seasons, and so it was going to be really hard for Mahomes to come and win that job in training camp or even compete, and vice versa. Aaron Rodgers wasn't going to win that job. You're looking at a Redskins team that has Case and Colt and Colt not, and, and Colt's had all kinds of issues this offseason yeah. and is potentially a pup candidate if he doesn't get better. Which is why I would say to you, if he doesn't play and doesn't play early, it says something about him. You're- yeah, it does. If he doesn't play, it does. It's not hard to protect him for five weeks. No, I'm not- even if they're close, it's not hard to protect him. Oddly enough, the best case scenario is, in my opinion, for his development individually, is for the Redskins to go one and four, one and five, and him to come in with no pressure, and then have to play a lot this season without pressure. Well, the best case is he blows everybody away over the next two months, three months. He starts the opener, and they go ten and six yeah, in the first okay. year. Yeah, sure. You know, with a really good defense. I mean, that's the best case. The, yeah, but, that, that's 100% the best but, case. By the way, um, Albert Breer, I don't know if you read his story the other day. I on, did. Okay, so I know we've talked about this before, but it was basically confirmed that Jay Gruden really hasn't spent much time, or certainly not as much time as he did this past offseason, evaluating quarterbacks. You know, this was the, the, he said, this is the first time since 2011. This is the most I've ever been involved in really looking at quarterbacks. They weren't going to draft a quarterback. Okay. It was Kirk and then they they acquired Alex. They they traded for one last year. Sure. So why are you going to, you're not going to draft a quarterback after trading for Alex? I'm just saying. I mean, you could take a guy in the fourth or fifth as a project. I'm just saying that I, I don't think it was just about the rookie quarterbacks. I think it was about all quarterbacks, including Alex Smith a year ago. 
Well, they traded for Alex before Jay had gotten into free agency. <laughs> I understand that. So, there, My so point he was, was going to start evaluating. Alex Smith was not a good fit for Jay Gruden. You know it. We saw it. And But they made the trade anyway. Why? Because Jay wasn't as involved. And so I know that they were in the market for a quarterback this year, much more so than they have been, although they were in, a quarter, in the market for a quarterback last year as well after Kirk Cousins uh, went to free agency and signed with Minnesota. And I think this year... Potentially, Bruce, if he was wise, said, I need your involvement more this year because the trade we made last year and we want Alex to get healthy, but it clearly wasn't the right fit for you. you got to be involved in helping make this decision. Well, keep in mind that over the last two years, there have been multiple people who have come out and said one thing that Jay Gruden is incredible at is evaluation. I know. I mean, even Scott, Scott McLuhan, McLuhan is yes. going to come out and say he's a great evaluator. Right. But they haven't used his evaluations enough over the years well, they, at the most important position. And by the way, this year, even though they had him in there evaluating and he liked Dwayne Haskins, didn't love him, liked him, they went ahead and picked that quarterback at 15 much earlier than I think anybody would have wanted to pick him. But he loves him now, doesn't he? He loves him now. He better love he, him now. Well, yeah, you you have to. Well, he, he has to com- completely commit. Yeah, well, he we know what Jay is. Like Jay can't Jay's come out in any way. Along. He's going to make it work. He's going to. This move is forward. more than go along to get along. He's going to move. This forward. is bandwagoning. If he didn't love him in his evaluations, he loves him now. Uh, the one thing I think is interesting about Breer because I I heard him on one hundred six seven. The other day after his article. Yeah. And he said this again. He said, yeah, I think I was the first to have that Haskins attended Bullis with Dan's son. They didn't go to school together. <laughs> no, they didn't. Like, not even stop with that. They, <laughs> Jerry wasn't yeah. at Bullis yeah. when Haskins was there. He's younger. They went to the same school. Yeah. I went to the same school as Merlin Olson. <laughs> you did. There's just a few years difference between you and the late, great Merlin Olson. Um, we'll get to uh, Cooley's evaluation and recap of the draft, player by player, here in a moment. But first, a quick word about stamps.com. If you have a small business, you really need stamps.com. Stamps.com is one of the most popular time saving tools for small businesses. They eliminate trips to the post office and they save you money with discounts that you can't even get at the post office. Stamps.com brings all of the amazing services of the, of the U.S. Post Office right to your computer. Whether you're a small office sending invoices or an online seller shipping out products or even a warehouse sending thousands of of packages a day, Stamps.com can handle it all with ease. Simply use your computer to print official U.S. postage 24-7 for any letter, any package, any class of mail, anywhere you want to send it. Once your mail is ready, just hand it to your mail carrier or drop it in a small mailbox. That's it. It's that simple. This is for small businesses. With Stamps.com, you get five cents off every first class stamp and then 40% off priority mail. Stamps.com is a no-brainer. It saves you time. It saves you money. It's no wonder over 700,000 small businesses already use Stamps.com. Now, my listeners get a special offer if you use Stamps.com. It includes a four-week trial plus free postage, and a digital scale without without any long-term commitment. Go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the home page, and type in my code word, 
Kevin DC, K E V I N D C. That's stamps.com. Enter Kevin DC. All right, let's go through um, this draft. I mean, a lot of these players we went through, you know, before the draft and several of them in that Friday after the first round uh, with Haskins and Sweat. But you did have a chance to see some of minicamp over weekend, uh, over the weekend, right? Yeah, I went. I've seen it all. Okay, you've seen it all. I've watched all the film of minicamp. Yes. Okay, so I, I went to Friday's practice. Right, so let's start with Haskins. Your current evaluation. Forget about what your past evaluation is. <laughs> my past evaluation is my current evaluation. <laughs> That's what you evaluate. Did anything change your mind over the weekend? No. Okay. Good. They they ran twenty four seven on seven plays two days in a row, okay, and they're the so, simplest plays so ever. What, and... So tell me what you think about Haskins right now. So this is actually the project that I'm currently working wow, on. Wow, you got a lot of paper in front of you. I am charting game by game on a scale of one to eight completions and one to eight negative throws where Haskins threw the ball. Was it a, was it a completion with accuracy? Was it a completion with inaccuracy? Was it a cl- completion behind the line of scrimmage? I, I mean, for his college. Consistently throughout college. for his, his single season. Yeah. So I, I've watched every game. I've now watched every game for the second time all the way through. Did you come up with the yards after catch number that you were trying to get? Well, yeah. I, I mean, for example, Tulane, 304 yards, 148 yards after the catch. Penn State, 270 yards, 235 yards after the catch. Yeah, that was... Indiana, 455 yards, 232 yards after the catch. Like, he's at least half in terms of yards after the catch, but out of 4,700, he's probably closer to 3,000. Don't you think a lot of college quarterbacks are have a lot not of... That, no, not like that. Here's the other thing. So I, these are – I'm going to give you the positives, but he, here's the other thing. Like, one, that jet sweep with the receiver, like Paris Campbell coming in front of the quarterback, is not a throw. It's counted a, as a throw. Uh, the little drop-off in front, yeah. Like the throws, floor, the throws behind the line of scrimmage, completions behind the line of scrimmage, seven Tulane, seven Penn State, six Indiana, nine – uh, Michigan State, like throws screens, throws behind the line of scrimmage. Those are not hard throws for any quarterback to make. Right, got it. So you, you have to factor into his statistics how effective they were on throws made behind the line of scrimmage and yards after the catch based on those throws. Like that's a big deal. To me, you got to look at accurate throws between ten and twenty yards and accurate throws down the field to determine can the guy really spin it. That's one of the things that you really have to look at, and that's one of the things that Dwayne didn't do as much, but even when he did, still did effectively. So some of the bigger throws he made down the field, he was effective. He just He's not a 78% passer, a 75% passer if he's throwing more balls past five yards. I also looked at every game and charted how many times they ran one concept that NFL teams call shallow cross. A 10-yard hook over the ball, crossing route underneath it, and then a receiver running or running back running a kind of a wheel down the sideline, or an added picking shallow cross. And, like, for example, Indiana, 16 times in that particular game, they ran the same play. In the One, Indiana game. I'm calling, if I'm coaching high school or college, I'm running that play over and over and over they can't, and over. They, they can't stop it. No one in college stops that play. Especially it's if so you've got unbelievably athletes. effective. And yeah. when you have athletes, it's, it's amazing. In that know, Indiana- and, then, and then you start looking at big plays. And he made big plays in big moments. But he made... He had guys make big plays in big moments too. Like for example, in the Penn State game, they're yeah. down twenty-seven sixteen. He throws a ball. He runs up in the pocket, throws across his body to a 
10-yard dig route. Receiver makes a hell of a catch way back behind his body, open, opens up his hips, and then breaks about nine tackles and scores from 35 yards after the catch. Right. And then down 27-21, or 26-21, yeah, yeah. it's a screen to Paris Campbell, and he runs it for 30, or it's a screen to – it's a screen. Yeah. Yeah, th- those are two touchdown passes in big moments. Don't discount that. But those were not – the throw across his body – it was a hell of a catch, but it's still a big throw right. in, that, in those situations. So here's the thing, is I think that he can make every throw. I think that he errs on getting the ball out of his hands early at times. And I think in that early situation, when you have to high-low read zone defenders, it's just not as good in terms of high-low reading zone defenders. I think he's good in the pocket in terms of footwork. He is a you do. pocket passer. but. When it when it comes to sliding and moving his feet, he is not a slide move your feet in the pocket as much as he has looked to turn and run up in the pocket and then reestablish himself as a thrower, which gets his eyes off the field. And if you're not finding open receivers as you look back up, you are in big trouble because he's not a big time scrambler. He can scramble. He's gotten some yards as a scrambler, but he's not a dynamic, effective scrambler. He's going to have a lot more interior pressure in the NFL, so he's not going to be able to run up in the pocket. He is going to have to slide laterally in the pocket on the next level. He's also going to have a lot more play calls to handle. He's going to have to be able to get verbiage out of his mouth as this goes on. And you, know, you can wristband the top 50 plays, and then there's a lot of plays that are going to be easy, but some of the longer play calls is something that he's he's going to have to negotiate and you want to be able to operate quick and timing and tempo in the NFL. And and on the other side of that, maybe Jay's got to adapt to that as well. And you got to have some some shortened play calls and some easier play calls and some one-word things. But, look, I saw a guy that plays with a ton of confidence. I saw a guy at minicamp in person that has a ton of confidence. To me, it oozes. He believes in himself, and that is so critical at that position that he knows he can get it done. You have to keep confidence in this kid. But I saw a guy that also knew that he had a bunch of underneath stuff available, and that's what he took. And there were some bigger throws that he could have had, and especially when he has to move, he's missing bigger throws. He also could wait half a second longer to see the bigger throw develop, but he'll take the short throw. So he can be effective. He's got a lot of growing to do. He's got a lot of pocket stuff that he's got to develop. He's got to be able to see and understand pressures better than he did. He's got to be able to see and anticipate throws better. Because to me, he was a guy that threw to open receivers versus anticipated open receivers a lot more than I would have wanted him to. And I, and I think you know, it, there's some uncertainty there as to what his ceiling is. That's the question when you're drafting a quarterback at 15 and your franchise quarterback. You're not trying to draft – what Jameis Winston's been over the last six years. You're trying to draft a top 10 quarterback. And he has that ceiling, I still but like, it's just I still too much like, unknown. I still like Winston. I still think that the best is ahead of him. I think it's so funny that Winston was a comp or anybody comp Dwayne Haskins to Winston. And if it did, it's just because of body type and the, that he's an African-American because they are two dynamically different quarterbacks. Winston is a throw-the-ball-down-the-field, error on the big throw, yeah. and Haskins is a... I am going to try to pick you apart, quarterback. Right. I'm underneath, and I'm going to try to find the easy open stuff. Um, couple of questions. Number one, how was he? You went back and watched all these games for a second time. 
I remember a lot of these games. How was he against the better defensive teams they played? All right, last year Michigan State was probably along with Washington in the Rose Bowl the two best defensive teams. Michigan too. Michigan was highly rated defensively coming into that game. The problem with Michigan and we saw that against Ohio State is they had not played any really good offensive teams on their schedule necessarily until they got to Ohio State. But how were how was he against the best defensive teams? Michigan State Washington and Michigan. Well, Michigan State was his worst game in my by opinion. far. I, right? I think he looked awful in the Michigan State game. I don't think that he ever really turned it on. I think that they made some unbelievable plays on defense. I think they scored on defense. Their punter was incredible in that game. Yeah. He wasn't great against Penn State. He was good against Michigan, but he didn't challenge Michigan down the field, which with a bunch of big time throws. Again, that that one shallow crossing concept. They ran fifteen times against Michigan. They completed or got yards on it 13 out of 15 times. A couple of them were long ones. And he missed another. The two he didn't complete were missed throws on big-time opportunities. So, yeah, he was much better against average defenses. Like If you look at the first three games of the season, he's outstanding, man. He looks amazing. But if you look at a big-time defense... He's average. That TCU game, there were a bunch of turnovers that led to Ohio State winning that game. TCU should have won that game. Yeah. Um, and, and oh, here's the one thing I don't want to hear. Look, again, I think he can make a ton of throws. I like him. I think when I said I don't like the pick, I don't like Haskins at 15. I thought him, I saw him as a second-round pick. That doesn't mean he can't become a great quarterback. Of course not. I think there was too much unknown as to what the ceiling was. I would have loved it in the second. And I like it more than any of the other quarterbacks besides Kyler Murray. I, I just well, think, you liked Locke more. You're right. You're, yes, you I, yeah, Locke let more. me re, let me rephrase that. Yeah. I liked I liked Locke the most because I think Locke made the most. I thought he had the most anticipation on his throws, and I think he was the biggest playmaker besides Murray at quarterback. He he had he was one of the guys that just didn't have receivers win. Right. And it's hard when you don't have any receivers, <laughs> right? Because you you look at a quarterback and you say, well, he didn't play well against Alabama and he didn't play well against Mississippi State or he didn't whip. Well, you can't make throws for completions when your receivers are getting mugged down the field. Um. So yes, I liked I liked Locke the most, and I think he has I think he has the highest ceiling. He has a lower floor. But I, th- I thought he had the highest, highest I th- ceiling. I think Washington may have been ultimately the best defensive team they played in that Rose Bowl, and I thought he had a great first half but really struggled Really in struggled half. in the second half of that game. Yeah. N- no doubt. No doubt. Um, did he improve during the season? Remember, this is his only season. Played a little bit the year before, but in, in terms of a full-time starter, it was one year. Did, did you see him improve in some of those areas that you may have some concerns about? No, not about? in particular, not massive improvement, but the one thing that I am impressed by was he set a pretty good standard for, for the first four weeks of the season. And he was pretty good in the first month of the season. Right. So I, I, against so I mean, TCU do, was pretty good. So one thing I do like yeah. is that I, I get a pretty good feel that he can – take over and grasp and lead and be the guy from week one. Who is his NFL comp? Is it Ben Roethlisberger? He doesn't buy time in the pocket like Ben. And Ben is a downfield thrower. will, Will he be big and strong enough to shake people off to create more time like Ben does? 
I think he's got that ability. He's in person. He looks like a tight end. Yeah, yeah. He's 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 a big star. Does he dude. use that? In your opinion, do you see? No, that? I don't see do a lot. Of, a I don't phys- see a lot of break tackle shake guys off. But I also see him not getting hit that much in the pocket. But I said the way he operated last year, he will get hit in the pocket. You can't run up in the pocket. That's his move: is to plant, run up in the pocket versus slide up can't or they, slide and can't they teach step. him to? Slide yes, that's something that shuffle. he can continue to learn. Yes. Um, you mentioned the receivers that were constantly open. Right now, we have a team that doesn't. At least as of now, we don't have a lot of receivers that are going to get open right away. You know what's interesting? So they draft Terry McLaurin, and I, I like McLaurin we'll, in, we'll in the him. third round. Yeah. But you, you're mentioning these receivers. I would have tried hard to trade up into the second to get Paris Campbell. I would have been making calls to get his guy, who was, the more I watch Ohio State, a first-rounder. Paris Campbell is a damn good receiver. I thought so, too. And he is a run-after-the-catch, do-anything-you-want-him-to-do, natural separator, speed guy. I would have been trying hard to get back up into the second. He didn't go until the 59th overall pick to Indy. I know. There were a lot, there were several receivers taken before Paris Campbell. A lot. I would have been trying to get AJ Brown from Ole Miss. AJ Brown went at fifty one. The the kid from Stanford. Would you? The kid from uh, yeah. uh, uh, Our 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 Sega Whiteside. Our Sega Whiteside, and then you um, you liked him. UMass. I did. Oh, the UMass kid is is a is a Isabella is apparently can really run. He's a freak. Yeah. UMass hurt him a little bit, or he's a first rounder. Yeah. Card. He went to the Cardinals. The Cardinals Late had second. a really good draft. And DK Metcalf, who you didn't like, and I and and a lot of people didn't like. I didn't like him either. I like Brown more as well, and I love Paris Campbell. Um, but Metcalf went all the way at the end of the second round. When remember, um, three weeks before the draft, he was potentially a top fifteen pick in the draft. Yeah, you're, you're projecting Metcalf to be like one of those LSU receivers that had no production but has the athletic ability and speed. He just doesn't have enough in and out. I'll bet you Metcalf's hurt. On average, five games a year. Metcalf, yeah. Yeah, he has a body type that looks like he's an injury Yeah, it's, like, it's almost like a Michael Westbrook body type from way back. Um, you didn't, you don't remember him. He's the Leron Landry of wide receivers. <laughs> right. Uh, the last thing on Haskins before we get to sweat. Um, if they don't have the receivers that can get open, is it going to be very difficult to evaluate him? No. I don't think it will. I think it'll be I think it'll be easier to evaluate. Can he anticipate and make throws and make throws into tight windows? And even if those are not completions, are they the right throws in the right spots with accuracy and, and anticipation? All right, let's get to Montez Sweat. And by the way, yep. how does he continue to develop and move in the pocket and not get sacked? Like that was my concern for Haskins going into the draft was I said if he comes in and plays in his first year, he's going to take a lot of hits in the pocket. I think he had a benefit of coming here because he, right now he has a good offensive line. You do. You really do here. It might not be the best in the league, but you have guys that can protect. So I, I said this the other day on my podcast. If he takes 50 sacks, don't blame it all on the offensive line. It won't be, unless they're all banged up throughout the year like they were last year. Right. But it's going to be him if he takes 50 sacks. Um. One last one on Haskins. Do you still, after uh, your evaluation a second time, going through every game and charting every throw, 
Do you still feel about him that you, the way you did before the draft, before the Redskins took him, that he has high bust potential? Wow, that's quite a delay. I don't. I, well, I'm. You did this with Vinny the other day, and he said, "Well, I'm thinking." <laughs> Not high bust potential, but I think he's got high twentieth best quarterback in the league potential. Well, I mean, that's he, the, I mean, the that's thing you starter, don't see that's is that's a starter. Like he's a good short to okay intermediate passer. He doesn't make as many big-time throws as people have given him credit for. He doesn't operate as well under pressure as I'd like to. He doesn't speed up the process to pressure. I think that he needs guys to make plays for him in the first couple years. Every quarterback does, but I think that he's going to need some help. And the one thing that would keep him out of bust is if he makes enough plays that he keeps his confidence. Because for a young quarterback, they have to continue to believe that they can make all the plays. Uh, actually, I have two more on Haskins. Sorry, one, last one. One will is he a good fit or not with what Jay Gruden likes to do the most? No, but that doesn't mean that Jay can't adjust. He's not a good fit for what Jay's attempted to do in the past few years, which is try harder to get the ball intermediate to deep downfield, read things out deeper to shorter. Jay doesn't operate in a lot of quick game stuff. Jay doesn't operate in a ton of play-action stuff. Haskins had a lot of success off of play-action stuff. Which Jay's going to have to go more gun. He's going to have to have some gun play-action. He's going to have to have a better RPO scheme because I didn't think that their RPO scheme was incredibly enlightened in the way they ran it last year. They just ran RPO. I think other teams do a better job of it and building off of that. But that's on Jay. Would McVay have been McVay would have been a good fit for Haskins? Yeah, he would be ideal because he is a short game, get the ball out of your hand, and intermediate play action stuff. Like that's the thing Sean does so well is the intermediate play action. It's not just play action to get right. the ball down the field. It's play action to throw a ten yard pass. When will we know? And I'm talking about like OTAs, training camp. When are we going to know that? You know, based on what Jay says, I've talked a lot about. We'll hear Jay in his press conferences after practices, etc., and we're always able to read Jay if he's if he's not totally direct to begin with. When are we going to know whether or not he's legitimately ready to play this year? They should know by the first week of training camp. They should have a good feel within the first week of training camp. Like, did he learn the offense enough to? Dictate it and call it in the huddle. Like, by the way, when Donovan was here, we struggled to call plays in the huddle for the first couple weeks of the season. Right. And it's not because he wasn't a smart guy. It, just, it, did, it was a different offense, and he didn't learn the language the way he needed to learn the language. Right. They'll know as he operates through the, that first week of training camp, but they'll know those intangibles as to you read him X play, he recites X play, he understands said play, then – receiver comes to him and says, hey, 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 what do I got here? What do we got here? And you see him dictating and making those movements, checks at the line of scrimmage, sliding his line to different looks. They'll know that, that you won't see in training camp from the sideline because you won't hear it. And and you won't see him in the meetings and how he's studying, how he's working. They'll know in week one of training camp. All right, let's get to Montez Sweat. Um, 
I've said here a couple of times on the podcast, and tell me if I'm right or wrong, that with this particular position, when it comes to the pass rushing element of this position, that you find out pretty quickly what you have with a guy like Sweat. Is he really that edge guy with the burst? Are tackles, you know, finding it difficult to deal with him in training camp, et cetera? Is that right or wrong? He's amazing. Yeah, he'll be that guy. He'll stand out in training camp. Like, here's the thing with Sweat. So, and I've seen him in person. I've watched him run. He ran a four four one. No, he ran a seven zero three cone. So he transitions well. He ran a four two shuttle. He had twenty two sacks in two years. He would have done every bit of that at the combine. Like he would have ran a four five one had he not trained one day for the forty. It's like the Daryl Green natural athletic speed. He's the kind of guy that you don't even really want him to lift that much. You don't want to put extra muscle, extra anything on his joint. You want to keep him as raw and as pure as he is in his current physical form. He's a freak. He's what every scout says is twitchy. So, yeah. He's he, also long, too, he, isn't he's he? He's long. He's got tremendous power. He gets the tackle off his spot as a rusher so he can get up and under. Like he creates a bigger B gap to get underneath by his outside burst up the field. Right. But he can still he does that because he can still turn the corner. He's fluid. He's got good body lean. Plays with good hands. I think he's strong and, and brute like at times in the run game. Like there is nothing that you see on film besides maybe effort in certain situations that you don't like about Montrez Sweat. He fell because He's asked to leave Michigan State for whatever reason. They know. I don't know. He has a heart condition, and apparently he's hard to coach, which I don't care even a little bit about. I don't care if I babysit a guy that's going to get 14 sacks. I'll babysit Von Miller all day, man. I'll hang out and rub his back during meetings if he can get me 14 sacks. Like that's the, that, Here's the difference between Montrez Sweat and any guy that gets 10 sacks. Like He can get 15. Like There are three or four guys in the league that can get 15. They're 25, then get 10. You don't have any concern about the character stuff? I have concern about the character stuff. I don't have concern about the coaching stuff. Like, oh. the, the, the hard to coach deal. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to adapt my, my coaching style for someone like that. And it's the world we live in. It, it might not be fair, but you know, Ryan Anderson ain't going to get coached the same way as Montrez Sweat. It's just not. Um, you see him immediately having an impact this year. I do, yeah. yeah. It I, might not be a 15-sack season this year as he adapts to the true power and speed of the sets of the offensive line in this league, but as he develops his his moves and his his repertoire for, for that type of guy, yeah. He's also the guy that when you get it, like Doc Walker always says this, like, we got the JV team in there. We better get some, some sacks. He will destroy lesser talent. He will take advantage of lesser talent because of his speed. He'll scare people. He, he, to me, has the potential to be an all-pro, not just a first-round pick that could be a, a pro bowler. The character stuff would be the your, the heart stuff. The character stuff would be your concern for bust. But his ceiling is it's high. Yeah, I mean, Shanahan said he's a top-five talent. He was a top-five talent in this draft. See, I think it would, it would have been interesting. You, you left this out of the true-false. If it were just based on grade and scouting, 
They would have taken Sweat at 15. Yeah. I think they would have taken Sweat at 15. Yeah, over no, anybody else there. And it would have been, based on how the draft went, a bit early. I mean, he went at 26, but yes. Yeah, but if, had you taken him at 15, it would have been like when John Allen fell to you. Wow, he fell all the way to 15. Right. Yeah, and, and No one a week before the heart thing had him out of 10. That's right. Uh, all right. Um, what about Terry McLaurin? Terry McLaurin is a big-time speedster. The one interesting thing about Ohio State is he played 50% of the snaps. Like They have six so receivers talent. who are yeah. dynamic talent-wise. But I like Terry McLaurin as a guy who can get down the field. I think Terry McLaurin has good hands. He's a body catcher a little bit at times, can be. He's not a pure hands guy. He, he's a little bit raw in terms of route runner. Like I would describe, like if I'm coaching a, I'm telling you I was, I've been working with young tight ends. Mm-hmm. The key at the top of the route stem, if you're going to run a, let's say a hook, is two steps and you're out of a break. If you get into that third step, it's fine. McLaurin is four or five. So he's got excess movement at the top of some of his routes. When you get which, off press which and means get down the field, one, you won't create as much separation. You're not going to create as he's not a he's not a intermediate blow you away separator, right? Because his speed from point A to point B is dynamic. His speed from point B to point C is average, and that's why he's a third round pick. But I like him. He'll get after it in terms of blocking, which which I like. Mm-hmm. That was another big part of Ohio State in terms of yards after the catch. They get on people. Uh, you can clearly see it's coached. I love the fit with Haskins. I think it gives him a comfortable comfortability level there. So I, I think third round was where you're going to take where anybody would have taken McLaurin. He wasn't going any higher than that. It, it's no steal. You liked other receivers in the draft though more. Yeah, I, I liked. I had him at about ten. Yeah, um, Bryce Love. By the way, on McLaurin, do you think there's a chance that he plays right away given their situation <laughs> wide receiver? Of course there's a chance. You think it's a good chance? Yeah. Who else are they going to play? Paul Richardson. They're going to play Paul Richardson, and they're going to play Josh Doxson, but Jay's MO is to play guys. Is McLaurin an X? Probably he's more of a Z. Okay. You could use him in the slot as well. I don't see him as a dynamic X because I don't see him as a guy that you can throw a hitch to on third and five when you need a hitch. Not right now. But he can line up and run by people. That, that is something you need. He's also not like a an amazing double move down the field guy. His double move is, is average, and that's one of the big keys. Like for your X, Sean called it this, I think. I think it was called this in Shanahan's offense, and I know it is in Jay's. It's a, it's a raid. They call it a rage route. <laughs> which is a post corner post. So you take it 10 to 12, take it three steps to the post, three steps to the corner, and then take it to the post over the top. Like those guys that can run that Deshaun Jackson, where you can truly sell three steps to the post and make a mess of their pants as you go the next three steps right. to the and corner. Then they're turn, then they're it means, over it means you're not only beating the corner on that move, safety. that second move, you're beating the corner and the safety on yeah. the second move because of your speed. That's the guy. That's the X. You loved Bryce love. Like I did. Bryce love is the X man. <laughs> How is Bryce Love not the first back taken if he doesn't have the ACL tear? Is he not the first back taken? Not last year. 
This year, I think this year, yeah, he would have been right up there. He would have. Where been, would he have been after last year? He had twenty one hundred yards for Stanford. I, I know, but last year there were just you had um, obviously you had Saquon Barkley, and then you had a lot of guys that he would have been in the mix with. Chubb, he would have been Saquon Barkley. Uh, Barkley was going first, sure, last year, and and should have. But this year, the year he was coming out in the draft, yeah, he would have went above Jacobs from Alabama. I think so. Yeah, this this year without the ACL, he would have been a first round pick and maybe the first running back taken. All right, so let's not get this wrong. He's not a scat third down back, but he can be that. Oh, he can be that. But we're not. But he's a runner. I don't. Too. I'm not going to categorize him like all these guys would do that with tight end. Like he's a Y, he's an H. The running backs, he's a first and second down back. He's a third down back. Bryce Love can be whatever you want him to be. He's, he looks I, I've seen him as well. I've seen all these guys. He looks like a back. He's 200 pounds. He's 5'9". He looks like a back. They had an under center run game at Stanford, which I love. Yeah, they had a pro-style offense. They actually, uh, this was amazing with Bryce. They would turn at eight yards and just pitch him the ball straight back behind the quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> just, just, so he has great vision. Like, you don't just turn and pitch a ball and go inside zone to anybody. He has a great feel for vision or for, for setting up blocks and, and for what he's seen. But he's got this unbelievable burst. He is he's Mike Trout, man. He just smashes home runs. Like he gets into the secondary and he is going to take it to the house. Like he's a house call threat on any That's why I said to you when they picked him, I said he's got a lot of Chris Johnson in him in terms of if there's a seam, he's gone. He's gone. Nobody's getting him. No. He's gone. Great at the angle he takes downfield. He can make it. Like you see him on, you see him make runs. You can watch the Arizona State game. Like find the TV copy if you can, or go watch the game on film. It's insanity. He had over 300 yards, and he's got like four carries over 50 yards. Right. It's unbelievable. But he can string cuts together where he can beat the backer. He can turn it, turn it on again. He can beat the safety, stiff arm the safety, run through the safety, and then it's there's just another reacceleration. Like he's a little turbo, like do 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 Like he reaccelerates as good as anybody as I've seen. Will he be that off the ACL? A lot of guys are. Yeah, you know, it's it's a new thing in the last ten years where the rehab and the surgery and everything's so good. But here here's the thing with Love. I thought he has patience behind the line of scrimmage to press the hole. I think that he has trust to hit a hole between the tackles hard. He ain't afraid to run hard downhill between the tackles. He's good on the second level at the linebacker level. He's amazing on the third level when he gets into the secondary. Strings cuts together very fluidly. Has an awesome hesitation step. He's tough to bring down in the open field. He's an unbelievable balance. Bryce Love has phenomenal balance. There's just there's so many positives about Bryce Love. As far as the negatives go, I saw this. He was defined by somebody as a, a frantic runner. He's not frantic. He's just that fast. Yeah. And his cut string. Like, I actually looked up, does anyone comp him to Barry Sanders? And he's not that because he doesn't get his feet displaced that far outside of his shoulders. Like Barry Sanders used to have this base that his feet were four feet apart and he's still making these cuts. But Bryce Love gets his feet separated and still is not losing any speed. He's so fast that at times he can't overrun hole or he can't predetermine a cutback. I think those would be two negatives in the run game is predetermining some of the cutbacks and overrunning some of the holes. But some of the times he's getting to the edge so fast, you're like, holy cow. Um, you'll like this. This was maybe my favorite pickup of all the film, of all the draft picks. 
one, it's coached in college that backs are going to protect to a maximum. Like a lot of times they're not checking out because they're asked to ensure protection. And like cer- even certainly if you're, in his even if, system too, in Shaw's system. Even if your backer or your secondary guy doesn't come in a six-man protection, chip, help. Right. But he is excessive in his help in the backfield. He's slow to get out. I know he's really, really smart, though. He's got a medical background from Stanford. I, everyone says he's, he's incredibly bright. I know he's smart, so I know he'll be able to do this. But I saw this, and I was wondering if, if he's seen everything. He's a 98% tell on run pass. I played this game for two games. In the pass game, you see his head side to side to side to side, scanning, scanning, scanning. In the run game, he is dead ahead, straight ahead. I'm sure no one picked it up. I'm sure no one told him. Will you please tell him? Yeah, we just did. When you are in the pass protection, you cannot scan every time. Like, you are looking all over the place. In the run game, you're like, here we go. I'm going to run the ball dead ahead. So I, I thought that was interesting with Bryce. But that's a, co- a lot of that's a college thing. That's a scheme thing. I think you, you made a point, and I don't know if I'm right or wrong, but in David Shaw's system, um, they went max protection a lot for their quarterbacks on on obvious passing downs. By the way, no team in college football ran it more on third and eight with a running back, especially with Love in 2017, than Stanford did. You know what's funny? Third and eight, we're running the football. He, he was wasn't a, he, he wasn't their third down back most of the I know. time. He he was but, but but Shaw was very conservative as a coach. Third and like, eight, let's give Bryce the ball on a draw. Exactly. Because it might be a house call. Exactly. Um, I think he can be a versatile pass catcher out of the backfield. I agree? totally agree. I thought he was a dynamic route runner, showed good hands when he had to catch the ball. This is a great pick for them because you don't know the longevity of Chris Thompson with his career. Is he going to be here through another year? Does he have another injury year? You can pup Bryce for the first eight weeks of the season because you have no hurry to play him. If AP's running, Geis is running, and Thompson's healthy, you can give him the entire year. It, it's a redshirt year if you need a redshirt year, and it's better they detour it in the last game of last year than the first game of the preseason like Geis did. Right. When do you think he'll be back? I think he'd be ready to play into November, in November. Okay. So this is really, more, more likely than not, this is a 2020, Sure. you know, hopefully with Haskins in his first full year of starting if he comes in in week six or seven, and you got a quarterback and a running back. Yeah. 2020, it's Geis and Love. Yeah. Not not a bad combo. I'm not concerned that he gets better from this injury. I think he gets better from this injury. If he gets better from this injury, he's going to be a better back than Geis. He's going to be a better threat and a better running back, and he's going to be option number one for this football team if he comes off of this injury healthy or back to where he was or better. I mean, your goal is what New Orleans had this year with yeah, those two guys. Yeah, absolutely. That would Because be, you're going to run them both. Yes. Um, quick word about Window Nation. It's graduation time, not just for schools, but it's time for your home to graduate. Up to new energy-efficient windows from Window Nation. And as a graduation gift, all window styles are 50% off right now. You choose. Bays, bows, double-hung, wood, vinyl, any size, any color, all custom-made, and all at 50% off. Window Nation's massive buying power is a diploma in deals, and they'll pass the savings on to you. It gets even better. Make no down payment with no payments and no interest 
for 12 full months. And if you call Window Nation this week, take 50% off every window, plus you'll get free blinds. Yes, with the purchase of a house full of windows, you'll get free blinds. New windows save energy, improve the look and value of your home, and they are 50% off right now at Window Nation with no down payment, no payments, and no interest for a full year, plus free blinds. Call Window Nation today for a free in-home estimate. They can come out the next day and they'll pr- provide you with a quote that's valid for a full year. The school year is about to end and so is this deal. Call now, 866-90-NATION or go online at windownation.com. That's 866-90-NATION or windownation.com and tell them that I sent you. Um, all right, let's uh, move through the rest of this draft. What did they get with Wes Martin, the guard out of Indiana? They got their starting guard this year. They did. I think Wes Martin is a starting guard. He's smart. He doesn't make mistakes. He gave up two total sacks in the last two seasons. Two seasons, two total sacks. He is awesome in terms of punch, hands, incredibly strong. You see him lock on, and you are going, wow, this dude, is his grip is Looked like he'd been bailing some hay. Right. <laughs> um, the thing I really like about him, though, big is, country boy, big country boy, is his ability to create movement, and he uses his hips really well. Like you, you get that hip thrust motion from a lineman. It, it's so important because a lot of these guys don't have that great hip thrust. They just have a hand and a punch. He he hits guys and he moves guys and he's physical. I thought he did a phenomenal job working with the center or with the tackle in terms of double teaming and creating good angles to the second level of the linebackers. His run game stuff is awesome. His base is good. His hands are good. His hips are good. Uh, he understands leverage. He understands positions, and he accelerates into blocks with his second and third step, which I absolutely love. He did have a good sense for stunts and, and for things in the pass game as well. The, the negatives, awkward in open space, like almost bad as a puller. As good as his hips were, is in that situation, he's lost. He's lost it at times as a puller. He didn't pull a ton. Um, he but, he's, but he's not going to end up with a defender in the battle before the runner even gets the ball. No, that's not okay. him at all. I think he could do a better job of resetting his base and resetting his hands when he does get out leverage. And so it hurts him in terms of sustaining some of these blocks. Like Just reset, take another step, repunch. He's not especially fast-footed as well. And so when he does get guys in space, it makes it tougher for him. He also gets beaten in up and unders trying to keep that B gap because he can't plant and shuffle his feet as fast as you'd like him. So athletically, you see a little bit of issues there. Um, And lastly, I'd like him to get his head up a little bit more when he is making impact at any time, not off the ball, like three steps or further, he can get his head down. But he's excellent in line. He's consistent. He's strong. 38 bench reps at 225, by the way. He struggles in space, he struggles pulling, and he struggles with speed. But, so those are the things that you lack. But a 6'3", 310-pound smart guy, three-and-a-half-year starter at, at Indiana. I knew nothing about him. I watched two games. They and didn't I didn't even said, have a picture. I watched, I watched two quarters, and I said, I love this kid. And then I watched eight games and said, yep. And I went back, and he got better over the last three years. Even though he gave up another sack last year or two sacks last year, he got better. He's he's a good player. He's so he's, a starter. He's better than Eric Flowers. We we don't know what Eric Flowers looks like. <laughs> a, a, yeah, we as know a guard. exactly what Eric Flowers is <laughs> as a tackle. Eric Flowers is a glorified Jonathan. He's an offseason Jonathan Cooper. I don't want to say that about him. Maybe he comes in and he's better at guard. Flowers wasn't. By the way, Flowers wasn't as bad at Jacksonville in the last eight games that he played for the Jags. Okay, but he wasn't awesome. Um, all Pierce right. Parker, the center from Alabama. Yeah, from Alabama. 
Um, I'll make a, this is quick. He's a backup. He he is a depth pick for sure. He was a four year starter at Bama. He is not an athlete. <laughs> he ran a five two forty twenty two vert twenty benches seven eight three three cone. These are the bottom five of his yeah. position of, at, at every one of these in the combine. He is a technically sound guy. You're not going to have to teach him. He is another very smart guy. And you know if you start for Saban for four years, you're, you're not making mistakes. How athletic is Chase Ruye? Not incredibly yeah. athletic. Uh, can create movement when he's on a double team. He's got good footwork. He's got good hands. He's got good technique. He's got a good first step off the ball. He lacks a second and third step off the ball. He lacks true dynamic punch. He does not thrust his hips. I'm glad we followed Wes Martin with him. He's more of an ass-out kind of blocking offensive lineman he gets his weight too far forward on at times on his toes which hurts him in the past protection game he gets beat on second moves spins pushes pulls etc and he has a hard time moving his feet to pass off stunts he is your backup he's the guy that's going to know the offense he's going to be able to fill in at guard or center played center last year at alabama's played guard the last three years before that so i like i like pierce bacher i he's a fifth or sixth round pick like that's where he is i don't see him as a starter moving forward but you never know with these young kids how much they develop in their first three years. He's he's limited athletically. How much better off would the Redskins have been had they had Ryan Kelly slipped to them in the 2016 oh draft? My God. Just a few more spots um, instead of Josh Doxson. Uh, all right, next up is... Uh, Cole Holcomb. Cole Holcomb, the, the, the guy that can really run. Yeah, North Carolina linebacker, 6'1", 230. Ran a 4'48 at his... Pro day. He was not a combine guy. Apparently, that's voted on by all the scouts and coaches and stuff. They right. vote on these guys. He was not a combine guy. He ran a six seven seven three cone. Like I always like to look at the forty versus three cone. Six seven seven is lightning fast in a three cone. An eleven foot broad jump. Tell me. Tell everybody why you like the three cone more than the forty. Well, I like them both. But I like a DK Metcalf ran a four three forty and a seven. Seven three cone. Yeah, he can't transition speed. He doesn't have any that that quick acceleration. Pure straight line guy. Yeah, yeah. And and Holcomb is he's he, got some. He's got good hips. He's yeah. he's fluid. He's got good movement. So the thing with Holcomb, this became so evident watching him. He is a primarily a responsibility sound player versus a playmaker. Over and over do and your, over, do, do I job. noted he's a build-up speed guy to f- see it in front of him and then go and uh, attack guy. He can burst, but you're saying just do it. Like, you have an open gap. Go make the play. Don't sit and hesitate. Perry Riley, Perry Riley used to do this all the time. Right. And he does it. He has some of those same things in the past game where he's zone dropping to a certain spot. He doesn't quite get to his zone drop. The ball's out, and he's still zone dropping to his spot away from the ball. And you're like, dude, the, the ball's gone. Go make the play. So he slow plays everything. So for his 4-8 four, eight, four, eight speed, 4-4-8 four, four, speed, if I watched him on film. You wouldn't see it. Uh-uh. Yeah. I can see him run. He's, a good, he's good at taking angles. He can run things down. But he doesn't play instinctually, and he doesn't play with 4-4-8 four, four, in the first two seconds of a play. He Got plays it. with 4-9 speed in the first two seconds of he's, a play. He's, he's undersized too, right? No, he's six six one two thirty one. So where where will he where would he, he looks play? like he's seventeen years old? Where would he play? He's a special teams guy this year. I know, but he, he, as he, a linebacker, inside line, inside line. Yeah, he's an inside. Okay. okay, so here's here's Holcomb quickly. He's physical. He can knife blocks. He he'll, he'll take on offensive linemen. 
And when he takes a good angle to a shoulder, he he can knock him back at times. He'll wrong shoulder things in the run game. He's not turning anything down. He's got speed to carry things vertically in the pass game. So you like a, an inside linebacker who, when they put a, a big-time wide receiver in the closest in the slot, they call it number three, mm-hmm. he can carry that guy vertically. I think he understands concepts really well. Um, I, do, I do think that, you know, he has that makeup speed and, and he has the fluid hips to run, but I, I think that he needs to be more instinctual. I would also say this, and I will guarantee you this. I will guarantee you that in his defensive scheme in North Carolina, they had him checking certain things before he was making plays. They had him making sure he banged through number three to, before he got to his zone. He's doing some things in the in pass drops that you're going, I don't, why are you, that it, it to me seems like it's a coach Will thing. Minuski turn him loose more? Again, I, I see Holcomb as an added speed guy. I see him as a special teams okay. guy in, in the first So let's get to Harmon. Years. Let's get to Harmon because I, I liked Kelvin Harmon, and I thought he would have been gone uh, much before he went in the sixth round, the wide receiver from NC State. I know. I got another notepad for Kelvin Harmon. I see it. <laughs> He's a big kid. Yeah. You know the one thing right away with Harmon? You can always find him. And some of these college jerseys are tough because he's a hunched-over stance guy. I don't have a problem with that, but he, he's, he's a way-leaned-over stance guy. The positives, dude, it gets off the ball. You can't jam him. One of my favorite games or one of my favorite film, I guess, games to watch was, was JMU and North Carolina Against State because Moreland. Jimmy Moreland and him had some battles, man. And Moreland's a little guy, but... Harmon is big physical dude, and Moreland would win one, and then Harmon would come back, and he would just knock Moreland off the ball. He's a physical release guy. He's probably the best blocker I've seen at receiver in this draft. Like he's the best blocking receiver in this draft. Um, he, he's a consistent route runner, and he consistently understands like depth and angles and and where to get out of his breaks. And even after he gets jammed, he's got a good internal clock for getting to those depth. I think he has good ball skills, and he is primarily defined as a body catcher. When he is yeah. 100% a body catcher. But he, when it's displaced from his body, he can catch it with his hands. I was a body catcher. I don't hate yeah, body I catchers. If you catch the ball, you catch <clears throat> the ball. I don't, I don't have a problem with, with body catchers. Uh, some of the negatives, not great hips, not a fluid runner, slow in terms of the first two steps in and out of breaks with suddenness, the quick twitch isn't there. Um, but he's got a chance, man. He's a, he's a big body guy who who can run routes efficiently. He can't, he can't double move guys. He can't, but I do think he can get off the ball against press on third down and make some plays for you. Like, I think that's the one thing that you have to have in the NFL is you have to be able to get off of press. And if you're the, the Redskins, like some of their big time struggles last year was not having their number one receiver get off press. Josh Doxon getting pressed nine yards down the field, and then quarterback has to look at it for how is he going to win? Is he not going to win? Like he'll know with Harmon. So on the wide receivers right now, I mean, do you see Harmon? He's a sixth round pick. I mean, so is Robert Davis. We never saw him. I don't think in a regular season game. Maybe no, he was certain training camp. Yeah. Um, does Harmon make the team? Uh, who are the receivers this year right now? I mean, you've got Doxon, you've got Richardson, you've got Trey Quinn. Those would seem to be 
three guys that you want to get on the field with experience. Quinn is as as a slot. Doxon, you want Richardson's speed, which you didn't really only have. What, what did you have it for? Five games last year before he got hurt, and he was hurt in training camp, so and, you didn't have him really. And Jay liked uh, Richardson. Jay was in on Richardson. I think in Jay was part agency. of evaluating Richardson in free agency, and he liked him. him. Sure. So would you see those three right now, if they're healthy, as being the the three guys that get most of the time going into the season? And by the way, this this sort of goes into, doesn't receiver take a while for rookies? Yeah, especially on the outside, it does. On the outside, it takes a while. Because you're seeing real speed and real a lot more physicality at the corner position. And you're seeing a lot more dynamic coverages. Like college coverages, you get three quarters and some man. You, you don't have a bunch of coverages that you have to worry about. I think that Trey's going to play early and, and be your slot guy. Because Jay loves those option choice route guys. And Trey understands it can win on those type of routes. Now, that said, if McClure could be that guy, he'd take that spot from him. But the rest of the way... Like Richardson will have leg up for X, in my opinion, right. at training camp. Flip, go. Let's go. Let's go battle it out. There's nobody that's got a job. Doxon doesn't have a job because he's played here for a couple years. You could McLaurin could be your main guy. Harmon could be on the field a bunch. It doesn't. There's nobody that has a job right now. Do I think Richardson would have the leg up. He's healthy. He should have a job. Anybody else? Did you like Cam Sims from last year? I th- everybody loved Cam Sims, but Cam Sims is always hurt. Yeah, he's hurt at Alabama. Don't you think this is massively important for this team? This uh, year? Yeah, that they find some guys that can actually get open and and really put some fear into a de- defense. Yeah, because they didn't have it last year. You you have all. to for a rookie quarterback or for a quarterback who's in his first year of an offense be able to know if your number one receiver wins. That's the biggest thing for for the Redskins this year is can you progress through your reads because you know right now like when the number one receiver wins what is the secondary what what does the back end coverage do to that do you have an opportunity to throw deep and if not how quickly can you get back down across the field it also will end up resulting in how often you have to run against a loaded box if you don't have people on the outside that can win. And we don't know what Adrian Peterson's going to look like at 34 years old, and we don't even we we're not even sure about Darius Geis at this point. Well, it all, I mean, it's it's but they want to run loaded the box is important, and and also having an effective quick game is is another deal. Like having yeah. some some screen game on the edge can guys get the ball in their hands and make some plays for you. Like you can open up your offense without having to run the ball. Do you have any feelings about Jordan Reed and Vernon Davis in the tight end position right now? <laughs> I mean, are you? Yeah, I, I think that Jordan has a very important year for this organization to understand what he is moving forward and for his career moving forward. Can he be a guy that isn't a pure tendency? Can Jay get him involved in first and second down? Can he block enough that you can go play action and have it believable with Jordan? Do you decide to make him more of a slot guy? Like, if you're Haskins and you want to open it up with gun stuff, is Jordan your slot? Like, Jordan very well could be your slot. Can he play 75% of plays? Can they trust him to do that? There's a lot of that stuff that goes into it. I still think that you have a deficit at the Y position. 
Like, nobody believes this, but I think Flanagan's your best why right now. And uh, Vernon is. Uh, because, I love. Because, I love. Because he, I love because Vernon. He can block. Because he can block, and the thing with Flanagan, isn't. So I know Flanagan. <laughs> like I've talked to a lot. I talked. I talked to Flanagan a lot. Right. He likes me because I'm pro Flanny. Right. But he didn't get an opportunity really in high school to catch very many passes. Ran in a triple option. Went to Rutgers. Didn't get very many passes. Went to Pitt. They liked him because he could run block. Didn't get very many passes. He's been here. Flanny's not slow. And he's not a bad route runner. He's not going to be sexy. But can your Y route runner run a stick at five yards, run an eight-yard out route, and make a couple plays in some soft zones? And are you willing to trust that he'll do that for you? Because he's your best blocker, and it's not even close. And it's not like he's Jay Ramirezma, <laughs> the Buffalo guy. That, but you liked him. Well, yeah, you're in, the shared agent, right? In college, no, in college oh, no. I was the run blocking tight oh, end for right. my first that's right. two years. Even though I was the better receiver, and they didn't know it, so I wore a Ramirezma jersey in practice. I wrote Ramirezma on the back, and that's then right. the other tight end, Papinga, wrote Shockey because he thought <laughs> Papinga. <laughs> Passing tight end. So, uh, look, I, that was one position that y- you would have loved to address in free agency or address in the draft. But there wasn't anybody. You weren't getting Hawkinson. In my opinion, the only real why in free agency was the kid in Baltimore that re-signed. Right. Uh, offhand, I can't yeah, think I of his name right now. Yep. But yeah, there wasn't – it wasn't a position that was easy to address. It's why Hawkinson went eight. Whereas Hawkinson would have went in the second round four years ago, like Hurts. Nick, Nick Boyle, you liked. Nick Boyle, I liked. Yeah. So, you know. Um, By the way. Um, tell me about Jimmy Moreland real quickly. One, it's hard to get your hands on Jimmy Moreland film. You can't just get JMU film. <laughs> right, because it wasn't a D1 team. So I had a friend who scouted for another team that, that hooked me up with some, some Jimmy Moreland film. I love Jimmy Moreland. Who was your friend that hooked you up? I can't tell you that. Um, so tell me about Moreland. Because everybody play in the seems sl- to he love He can play him. outside. He can play in the slot. He can play wherever you want him to play. Uh, here's my favorite thing with Jimmy Moreland. He's a motherfucker. He is. Like a badass He's competitor. He's a badass. Like you see him get beat, Yeah. watch the next play. He is going to jam down somebody's throat. He's going to make a play. Yeah. He is vi- He's tough. He's gritty. I love that. I mean, he is he's a football player. Like Jimmy Moreland is is awesome. Why was he there in the seventh round? Well, we'll get to that. Look, he's got good position, he's got good instincts, he plays with good eyes to the quarterback. He's a playmaker. He he he's got a bunch of picks where they're not just tip balls into his hands. Like I went and watched every pick. Because a lot of times you're like, hey, I had eight picks in 2017, and then you watch them and like four of them are when Chris Horton got picks for the Redskins. <laughs> like, oh, okay, well, whatever. Horton he, had that he, one of my favorite things in college was he's tough to back shoulder. Like He has great reaction to receiver's body language. He he can key quarterback, but he's able right. to key and key. see the receiver. And that's keen, and he, o- and he that's keen eyes, right? Yeah, it's keen quarterback eyes and then keen receiver's body language. He doesn't buy bullshit fakes. He doesn't buy the, the fake bubble, the fake screen. And he's nasty, man. You you see him after plays. He's a trash talker. He gets after it. He's he's awesome, man. What kind of corner is he? He he'll be your slot. He, he can get big bodied at times in in the negatives. You know, separation in, in his press bail. Like he's a good press guy and he's a good off guy. I think press bail is where he struggled a little bit. Um, 
and he gets a little handsy downfield, which you, you might get away with because you're Jimmy Moreland at JMU, and you're not going to get away with in the right. NFL. He didn't get drafted in the first six rounds because other than watching him play NC State, what did you watch him play? You watched him play South Dakota State, and you watched him play nobody. I can't even think of the names of the teams. That the, uh, it, but that doesn't matter. Yeah, it does because he's not playing against real speed. Yeah, but we've seen we've seen a lot of you know we've seen a lot of these guys become good players. Yeah, but we've but seen it a lot of them picked higher too. Well, we've seen a lot of them like Josh Norman not picked at all. Yeah. So you can't you can't see how good he is against true speed. You you can't see. I mean, Quincy, against- Quincy Williams is a safety from Murray State. He was taken in the third round. So it's not like these guys don't get taken. No, these guys get taken. Yeah. But Jimmy Moreland's a non-combine guy that you would have had to go scout at JMU. And JMU's close, and we had an opportunity to go scout him. Yeah. I think he was one of the guys that our scouts loved. Like I think you love a lot about Jimmy Moreland. But Jim, here's the thing. He's a seventh-round pick, and it sounds to me like you think there's no chance he doesn't make this team. Oh, he makes the team. As a seventh-round But here's the thing. Like, when I say, you know, address speed, he didn't have a good minicamp the first couple of days. Speed was somewhat of a factor. And it's a what new did he run? as well. I don't – I think he ran a 4-4. He doesn't get run by. He does have good speed. I'm not saying he doesn't have speed. But you haven't seen his reaction time to three fast receivers on the field. Got it. What about the last guy, Brailford? Anything on him? Brailford's actually got some good edge skills. He's got some good technique on the edge. He, he I think he had ten sacks at Oklahoma State. He's like, why didn't he have fifteen sacks? He's playing in a league where they pass it seventy-two times a game. I like Brailford. I he he's in a tough spot, I think, to make this team. Because you have Anderson and you have Sweat and Kerrigan's there. I mean, maybe he ends up being your fourth. I, I, I don't know exactly what you do and what you keep in that situation. What do they think about Ryan Anderson going into this season? I think that they would love him to be healthy and be able to be a strong side edge player and develop a second pass rush move or a move off of his first. How will it work at outside linebacker with Sweat? Will he be... And every down player, he better be from the jump. Yes, because worst case, we know he's a pass rusher from the jump. Well, he, he can play. Be, no, 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 no. He can play the. Run. I know he can play the he run. But what run. I'm saying is that's the thing that you, you know, put him if if he's not if he if he's not grasping the system if he's not up to speed if they're not comfortable with him as an every down linebacker. Oh, so he's the worst, new Levar Arrington. Worst case scenario. Worst case scenario, you, you turn him loose on third down. Second and seven plus. Here we yeah. go. Your, your but worst you case think scenario. he's he's the starting outside linebacker opposite Kerrigan day Today. one? Yeah. Today, I. I he, this is the other thing I love about that pick and getting up into the first round to get him. You have a guy now for five years. Four years under a complete rookie deal, and then a fifth year option on right. that guy. Like that's on that's the fir- an, I on mean the that's first a, round th- deal. but that's yeah. another that's another reason that you take a quarterback in the first round versus let him get to the second round because, because you you maintain that fifth year option yep. on the guy. Yep. So there's there's some good in that. Um, anything else come out of minicamp from you watching film that we haven't talked about? No, nothing else. No undrafted free agent that you were impressed with or. 
You know, no, I mean, was no. were any of these rookies just, I mean, other than Sweat, who you really seem high on? Uh, I like J.P. Holtz, who was a fullback last year, didn't make the team, and then ended up re-signing as a tight end a little bit. J.P. Holtz looks good out there. But also, he knows this offense, so. All right. Um, that was great. That was great. I, I, uh, I, I'm just trying to think if there's anything else while I have you here. Not that I can't call you and get that information, but I think we've gone through everything, right? Through the draft. Yeah. Well, we've got plenty of time to get into the season and start talking about the season. That We've got all signed. I think that, that we should collectively tweet out the Redskins get an A++ for the draft so they can put it back on their Twitter and say, look at, the, look at Kevin Cooley gave us an A++. Right next to Adam Shine's per, uh, review. Yeah, they they do seem to be very excited about their draft and telling everybody how excited they are about the draft. Um, you don't care about any of the Haskins buying the Bentley, embroidering his clothing brand logo into the seats, charging fifty dollars a head on draft night at a bowling alley in Gaithersburg. Does any of that stuff concern you at all? Well, I don't condone the bowling alley charging tickets but it doesn't concern me i like the bentley uh <laughs> haskins is gonna get and the there's the other thing with quarterbacks yeah okay he's a first round pick so you can say this is what his salary is gonna be you know how much haskins he's gonna make more than a million dollars not playing football this year at a minimum i think i think the bowling alley thing was probably more the family the father which by the way so could, that'd be the yeah that yeah from everything that I've heard, he's he's one of those guys that, as he gets into the NFL, wants to make his own way. He does not want to have that stigma of daddy's boy. Cannot wait. Not for, that he shouldn't be around. Cannot his wait dad. for training camp. There's a, there's some buzz right now because of Haskins, and for me because of Sweat. In addition to Haskins, but there is some buzz. We've talked we talked about this a lot towards the end of the season and early in the off season. Um, I think they accomplished one of their business goals, which was to get do what they could to get people excited about the team again. I don't know what it's going to translate to in terms of numbers and how many people are going to just jump right in and in buy tickets for that home opener. Well, it's the Cowboys. You know, they the, the schedule um, makers did the Redskins a favor in that. Their first two home games are against the Cowboys and the Bears, both who, whom have massive traveling fan bases. So you're not going to end up with an Indianapolis situation for last year. You're going to have a sold-out house for both of those games. Let me just tell early you this. In the season. If I was just your average fan, I would go watch Haskins start against the Cowboys in week one. In week two. or yeah, Excuse me, in, yeah. the, in the home opener. Yeah. I would pay to go watch that. I would go watch it in person. Right now, you have to bet on it either way. And I'll just put the odds at even money. Does Haskins start week one? No. No. Okay. I think that there's a pl- I think there's a potential that he can. Like if I had to put odds on it, I'd say 60-40. 60-40 against. Yeah. But at forty percent chance that he starts in week one. Okay. Everybody's saying like you gotta give him time. You gotta he's gotta develop. He's gotta like you do have to also find out what he's going to be. You also have to find out whether or not Case Keenum or Colt McCoy are a lot better. Because if they're not a lot better, then he should play. Why wouldn't you play him if they're not a lot better? What are you saving him from? And I made this case a couple of Losing weeks ago. Losing confidence in who he is as a player. 
making bad decisions, not seeing himself make the right throws, not seeing himself taking extra hits. When here's the here's one thing that nobody will see see. Can he pick up blitzes and can he pick up pressures? Because if he can't, he's going to get hit. I'm saying. And so you're saving if him. It's from, close, and that encompasses. But you're all not going to see some of the throws that he makes. You you could see him make some big throws. And then you could see him get sacked a couple times, and you're going to say, well, the line's not very good. Mm-hmm. But he's making big-time throws when he's protected. So if he can't pick up protection, if he can't deal with the protection stuff, they can't play him. Like, that will be the deciding factor in whether he'll play or not, is how fast does he grasp NFL fronts and NFL back-end coverages and what they're doing at the line of scrimmage. It was also, by the way, we left this out, one of the things that I thought he struggled with at times at Ohio State. Now he's making checks at the line of scrimmage, and they did give him more leeway, according to all reports, towards the end of the season to make all those calls himself, not just to look to the sideline to get those calls. And he is definitely assertive in making the calls, but he also turned free a lot of rushers. I just think if if it's close... And, you know, you, the, guys like Darnold and Allen and, I mean, Rosen was in there pretty quickly last year. He didn't start, you know, week one. Um, but it's it's a new day. You, you take a quarterback in the top half of the first round of the draft, if it's close and you don't have a Hall of Famer or a great quarterback, you know, sitting in front of him, if it's close, you play him. If he can protect himself. Okay. Well, yeah, but that, that would mean that he's not close. If he can't protect himself, then he's not close. I'm well, not you, talking I mean, about you, him you, not You're also going to say we're going to give him a lot of looks where he, it's going to be – you can protect yourself on boot. No. You can protect yourself on so – he's a good sprint-out quarterback. Well, wh- I hope that you, I hope that Gruden a, coaches to that. There's a lot you can do. I hope that Gruden, Gruden co- coaches to that because he didn't coach to that with Alex Smith. Should have been more boot. Should have been more play action. Should have been a lot of that stuff. Should have been more quick game with Alex Smith. He was not a drop back, throw the ball down the field passer. Yeah, so we could have got it to Josh Doxson on a slant when he was getting jammed into the freaking offensive line. Uh, that's a bad. That's bad. I, that, I rescind that comment. <laughs> we can just cut it out if you'd like. All right. Um, great job today. I appreciate tried, I that. I tried my hardest. Let's let's. Uh, let's you golf. always you always try your hardest. Let's go out and play some golf today. Um, quick word to all of you that if you haven't rated or reviewed the podcast on iTunes, do that. That always helps. Also, subscribe to the podcast doesn't cost you anything that helps us as well and check out launch workplaces in bethesda and all of their locations around town brand new office spaces launchworkplaces.com for all the information if you're looking to move into a new office thanks to aaron today uh tommy's back tomorrow after his trip to italy uh we'll uh we'll recap game one of the eastern conference finals uh tomorrow my pick again I don't want to pick this. I'm rooting for Toronto, but it's Milwaukee in five. Have a great day.